0: Chapter twenty three of Pele the Conqueror, Volume One by Martin Anderson Nexo, translated by Jesse Muir. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On Sunday morning, between watering and midday feed, lasse and pele ascended the high stone steps. They took off their wooden shoes in the passage and stood and shook themselves outside the door of the office. Their gray stocking feet were full of chaff and earth. Lasse raised his hand to knock, but drew it back. "'Have you wiped your nose properly?' he asked in a whisper, with a look of anxiety on his face. Pelle performed the operation once more, and gave a final polish with the sleeve of his blouse. Lasse lifted his hand again. He looked greatly oppressed. "'You might keep quiet, then,' he said irritably to Pelle, who was standing as still as a mouse. Lasse's knuckles were poised in the air two or three times before they fell upon the door, and then he stood with his forehead close to the panel and listened. There's no one there, he whispered irresolutely. Just go in, exclaimed Pelle. We can't stand here all day. Then you can go first, if you think you know better how to behave, said Lasse, offended. Pelle quickly opened the door and went in. There was no one in the office, but the door was open into the drawing-room, and the sound of Kongstrup's comfortable breathing came thence. "'Who's there?' he asked. "'It's Lasse and Pelle," answered Lasse, in a voice that did not sound altogether brave. "'Will you come in here?' Kongstrup was lying on the sofa, reading a magazine, and on the table beside him stood a pile of old magazines and a plateful of little cakes. He did not raise his eyes from the book, not even while his hand went out to the plate for something to put in his mouth. He lay nibbling and swallowing while he read, and never looked at Lasse and Pelle or asked them what they wanted, or said anything to give them a start. It was like being sent out to plow, without knowing where. He must have been in the middle of something very exciting. "'Well, what do you want?' asked Kongstrup at last, in slow tones. "'Well?' The master must excuse us for coming like this about something that doesn't concern the farm. But as matters stand now, we've no one else to go to. And so I said to the laddie, Master won't be angry, I'm sure, for he's many a time been kind to us poor beggars, and that. Now, it's so in this world, that even if you're a poor soul that's only fit to do others' dirty work, the Almighty's nevertheless given you a father's heart and it hurts you to see the father's sin standing in the son's way." Lasse came to a standstill. He had thought it all out beforehand, and so arranged it that it should lead up, in a shrewd, dignified way, to the matter itself. But now it was all in a muddle, like a slattern's pocket-handkerchief, and the farmer did not look as if he understood a single word of it. He lay there, taking a cake now and then, and looking helplessly toward the door. It sometimes happens, too, that a man gets tired of the single state." Began Lasse once more, but at once gave up trying to go on. No matter how he began, he went round and round the thing, and got no hold anywhere. And now Kongstrup began to read again. A tiny question from him might have led to the very middle of it, but he only filled his mouth full, and began munching quite hard. Lasse was outwardly disheartened and inwardly angry, as he stood there and prepared to go. Pelle was staring about at the pictures and the old mahogany furniture, making up his mind about each thing. Suddenly energetic steps sounded through the rooms. The ear could follow their course right up from the kitchen. Kongstrup's eyes brightened, and Lasse straightened himself up. "'Is that you, too?' said Fru Kongstrup, in her decided way that indicated the manager. But do sit down. Why didn't you offer them a seat, old man? Lasse and Pelle found seats, and the mistress seated herself beside her husband, with her arm leaning upon his pillow. How are you getting on, Kongstrup? Have you been resting? She asked sympathetically, patting his shoulder. Kongstrup gave a little grunt that might have meant yes or no or nothing at all. And what about you two? Are you in need of money? No, it's the lad. He's to be dismissed from the confirmation class," answered Lasse simply. With the mistress you couldn't help being decided. "'Are you to be dismissed?' she exclaimed, looking at Pelle as an old acquaintance. "'Then what have you been doing?' "'Oh, I kicked the parson's son. And what did you do that for?' "'Because, because he wouldn't fight, but threw himself down.' Fru Kongstrup laughed and nudged her husband. Yes, of course. But what had he done to you? He'd said bad things about Father Lasse. What were the things? Pelle looked hard at her. She meant to get to the bottom of everything. I won't tell you, he said firmly. Oh, very well. But then we can't do anything about it, either. I may just as well tell you, Lasse interrupted. He called me Madame Olson's concubine, from the Bible story, I suppose. Kongstrup tried to suppress a chuckle, as if someone had whispered a coarse joke in his ear, and he could not help it. The mistress herself was serious enough. "'I don't think I understand,' she said, and laid a repressing hand on her husband's arm. "Lasse must explain. "'It's because I was engaged to Madame Olsen in the village, who everyone thought was a widow, "'and then her husband came home the other day.' and so they've given me that nickname round about, I suppose. Kongstrup began his suppressed laughter again, and Lasse blinked in distress at it. "'Help yourselves to a cake,' said Fru Kongstrup, in a very loud voice, pushing the plate toward them. This silenced Kongstrup, and he lay and watched their assault upon the cake plate with an attentive eye. Fru Kongstrup sat tapping the table with her middle finger while they ate. So that good boy Pelle got angry and kicked out, did he? She said suddenly, her eyes flashing. Yes, that's what he never ought to have done. Answered Lasse plaintively, Fru Kongstrup fixed her eyes upon him. No, for all the poorer birds are for us to be pecked at. Well, I prefer the bird that pecks back again and defends its nest, no matter how poor it is. "'Well, well, we shall see. "'And is that boy going to be confirmed? "'Why, of course. "'To think that I should be so forgetful. "'Then we must begin to think about his clothes.' "'That's two troubles got rid of,' said Lasso when they went down to the stable again. "'And did you notice how nicely I let her know that you were going to be confirmed? "'It was almost as if she'd found it out for herself. "'Now you'll see.' you'll be as fine as a shop-boy in your clothes. People like the master and mistress know what's needed when once they've opened their purse. Well, they got the whole truth straight. But confound it! They're no more than human beings. It's always best to speak out straight. Lasse could not forget how well it had turned out. Pelle let the old man boast. Do you think I shall get leather shoes of them, too? he asked. Yes, of course you will. And I shouldn't wonder if they made a confirmation party for you too. I say they, but it's her doing it all, and we may be thankful for that. Did you notice that she said we, we shall, and so on, always? It's nice of her, for he only lies there and eats and leaves everything to her. But what a good time he has! I think she'd go through fire to please him, but upon my word, she's master there. Well, well. I suppose we oughtn't to speak evil of any one. To you, she's like your own mother. Fru Kongstrup said nothing about the result of her drive to the parson. It was not her way to talk about things afterward. But Lasse and Pelle once more trod the earth with a feeling of security. When she took up a matter, it was as good as arranged. One morning, later in the week, The tailor came limping in with his scissors, tape measure, and pressing iron, and Pelle had to go down to the servants' room, and was measured in every direction as if he had been a prize animal. Up to the present he had always had his clothes made by guesswork. It was something new to have itinerant artisans at Stone Farm. Since Kongstrup had come into power, neither shoemaker nor tailor had ever set foot in the servants' room. This was a return to the good old farm customs, and placed Stone Farm once more on a footing with the other farms. The people enjoyed it, and as often as they could went down into the servants' room for a change of air, and to hear one of the tailor's yarns. "'It's the mistress who's at the head of things now,' they said to one another. There was good peasant blood in her hands, and she brought things back into the good old ways. Pelle walked into the servants' room like a gentleman. He was fitted several times a day. He was fitted for two whole suits, one of which was for Rude, who was to be confirmed too. It would probably be the last thing that Rude and his mother would get at the farm, for Fru Kongstrup had carried her point, and they were to leave the cottage in May. They would never venture to set foot again in Stone Farm. Fru Kongstrup herself saw that they received what they were to have, but she did not give money if she could help it. Pelle and Rude were never together now, and they seldom went to the parson together. It was Pelle who had drawn back, as he had grown tired of being on the watch for Rude's continual little lies and treacheries. Pelle was taller and stronger than Rude, and his nature, perhaps because of his physical superiority, had taken more open ways. Inability to master a task or learn it by heart, Rude was also the inferior. But on the other hand, he could bewilder Pelle and the other boys if he only got a hold with his practical common sense. On the great day itself, Karl Johan drove Pelle and Lasse in the little one-horse carriage. "We're fine folk today," said Lasse with a beaming face. He was quite confused, although he had not tasted anything strong. There was a bottle of gin lying in the chest to treat the men when the sacred ceremony was over, but lasse was not the man to drink anything before he went to church. Pelle had not touched food. God's word would take best effect in that condition. Pelle was radiant, too, in spite of his hunger. He was in brand-new twill so new that it crackled every time he moved. On his feet he wore elastic-sided shoes that had once belonged to Kongstrup himself. They were too large, but there's no difficulty with a sausage that's too long, as Lasse said. He put in thick soles and paper in the toes, and Pelle put on two pairs of stockings, and then the shoes fitted as if they had been cast for his foot. On his head he wore a blue cap, that he had chosen himself down at the shop. It allowed room for growing, and rested on his ears, which, for the occasion, were as red as two roses. Round the cap was a broad ribbon, in which were woven rakes, scythes, and flails, interlaced with sheaves all the way round. "'It's a good thing you came,' said Pelle, as they drove up to the church, and found themselves among so many people. Lasse had almost had to give up the thought of coming, for the man who was going to look after the animals while he was away had to go off at the last moment for the veterinary surgeon. But Karna came and offered to water and give the midday feed, although neither could truthfully say that they had behaved as they ought to have done with her. "'Have you got that thing now?' whispered Lasse when they were inside the church. Pelle felt in his pocket and nodded. The little round piece of lignum vitae that was to carry him over the difficulties of the day lay there. Then just answer loud and straight out whispered lasse as he slipped into a pew in the background. Pelle did answer straight out, and to lasse his voice sounded really well through the spacious church. And the parson did absolutely nothing to revenge himself, but treated pelle exactly as he did the others. At the most solemn part of the ceremony lasse thought of karna and how touching her devotion was he scolded himself in an undertone and made a solemn vow she should not sigh any longer in vain for a whole month indeed lasse's thoughts had been occupied with karna now favorably now unfavorably but at this solemn moment when pelle was just taking the great step into the future and lasse's feelings were touched in so many ways the thought of karna's devotion broke over him as something sad like a song of slighted affection that at last at last has justice done to it lasse shook hands with pelle good luck and a blessing he said in a trembling voice the wish also embraced his own vow and he had some difficulty in keeping silence respecting his determination he was so moved the words were heard on all sides and pelle went round and shook hands with his comrades then they drove home. It all went uncommonly well for you today, said lasse proudly, and now you're a man, you know. Yes, now you must begin to look about for a sweetheart, said karl johan. Pelle only laughed. In the afternoon they had a holiday. Pelle had first to go up to his master and mistress to thank them for his clothes, and receive their congratulations. Fru Kongstrup gave him red currant wine and cake, and the farmer gave him a two-krona piece. Then they went up to Kala's by the quarry. Pelle was to exhibit himself in his new clothes, and say good-bye to them. There was only a fortnight to May Day. Lasse was going to take the opportunity of secretly obtaining information concerning a house that was for sale on the heath. End of chapter twenty three.